Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Abby Williams. Abby has spent over 20 years in VC and PE-backed companies of varying sizes in the SaaS B2B space, such as Oracle, Meta, LinkedIn, Pluralsight, Udemy, and Olivia as a revenue leader. She also has excelled in driving sustainable profitability for businesses, improving bottom and top line revenue performance for scale-ups. She is the author of the book, 10 Traits of Great Leadership That Are Often Overlooked, where she talks through a playbook for leaders and aspiring leaders who want to be outstanding in their role. Abby's mantra is see a diamond in every stone and make your environment better than you met it. This is her driving force. Welcome to Revenue Rehab, Abby. Your session begins now. Hey, Brandy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you. And I absolutely love that mantra um, because, you know, that is the, the example of the diamond is a great one where you have to, you know, take something seemingly ex ordinary to get something extraordinary out yes. of it. Um, yeah. Well, before we jump into our topic today, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what industry buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? Can we double click on that? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, it's like what? What what is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh yes, that is one. I, I don't even know where that one came from. Like why people started using it in real, you know, in conversation. Because it, it does confuse me. Like we're not clicking, we're talking. Right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> You double, it's a, it's a mouthful actually. Can you double click on that? It doesn't even flow. So yeah. Yes, I am so with you. So you don't have to worry about me trying to double click on anything during our conversation today. <laughs> um, well, now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Okay. Apart from the amazing things I've heard about this show and yourself, Brandy, um, for me, it's really the gap that we see in CEOs and executive leadership um, today and what we can do about it. Oftentimes, you know, you have somebody who's running the company and so on, and you're trying to do so many things. And that lack of competency is causing the business to fail, is causing you to lose talent, is causing the talent that you have not to be optimized and deliver the best um, productivity. So it's causing a lot of loss, 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 loss due to due to the inability of exec level understanding their strengths and filling those voids that we talk about. So to wrap that up, it's about building solid foundations for success. 
Awesome. Uh, and I definitely can relate. I'm in a Slack community of uh, other CMOs and peers. And one of my favorite channels is the Rants channel, uh, where, you know, everyone's able to just get stuff off their chest. I love and, those. I love those. You know, a lot of what you see people ranting about, I would put under, you know, some of these competencies. So I'm looking forward to diving into it so that our audience can make sure that they're not the problem. Uh, <laughs> we can all do our part. Um, and I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an expectation of what we're going to cover today or what they should take away. So I'd love to hear what are your intentions? What are your best hopes for our talk today? My hopes for today is for every CEO to know exactly what it takes to lead a successful business. Oftentimes, we talk about it from bottoms up, but today we're going to talk about it from top down in order to drive a successful business. Awesome. Um, so my first question for you really is, why do you think the problems exist? Like, let, let's kind of lay the foundation of how do we get here? Because you kind of think about by the time someone gets to the VP or above level, mm -hmm. they've been in their career for quite some time. You yes. think the average is 45 or 50 and above. So yep. new in your career. Why do you think these competencies still exist that far in? Yeah. So a couple of things. First thing is that lack of diversity. So we have people in these rooms who sound the same, who look the same, who went to the same school, who did the same things the same way again and again and again. That doesn't necessarily work in this context or with this generation. That's number one. Number two, it's that ability to, you know, oftentimes I see leaders as they go up in their career, they stop learning. It's like, oh, I've got this. I'm, I'm the CEO. I'm, I'm the VP. So I must know what I'm doing. It's that humility to be able to learn, unlearn and relearn. So well, what we're seeing is that lack of adaptability, that lack of that lack of coachability to learn, unlearn and relearn. And then the third thing is just that mindset of doing the same thing again and again and hoping for a, a different results. And again, it's tied to point one around looking outside your network. What else is there? What else can I, can I learn? What can I unlearn? Getting coaches to help you see those roadblocks. And it's really back to that learning mindset and knowing that you don't know it all. I don't. Nobody does. We're all trying to figure this out. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, one of my number one strengths is I'm definitely a lifelong learner. And I personally feel like if I'm not learning something, then I am stagnant. And that is like the worst. But I recognize that everyone doesn't have that mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to dig in a little bit and talk about the lack of diversity, because this is something that has come up in multiple conversations recently. And not that it doesn't come up all the time, mm -hmm. but where I've seen, um, you know, there's there's a much larger push to get women, especially minority women, on boards. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot more, especially with the younger generation, evaluation of when they're looking at roles, senior leadership, and, you know, what's the diversity mix of that leadership to determine when they want to go into companies. Like all of these things are playing, you know, a much bigger role. 
Mm-hmm. And I do, you know, I naturally believe in the good in people. So I believe that most people are not inherently racist or biased or, you know, uh, whatever. But there doesn't seem to be a natural, can't think of the right word, like, but there doesn't seem to be like a naturalness, not that that's really a real word, to trying to diversify your networks and the people that are in your ear. And I've never really understood why. It's like, if people are good people, like, what is it that creates that, you know, that homogenous circle of like, these are the people I know, and I'm just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. 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 So a couple of things, it's, it's, it's comfort zone. It's easy. You know, if I want to hire a CEO, I just call my, um, my friend, hey, you know, I know hire a CEO or CRO or a VP. I just call my friend, somebody in my network. And my network probably looks like me. It's probably a friend that I went to school with. Um, So that's the easiest thing to do versus look outside and actually think out of the box, right? So that's number one. Number two is people like people that are similar to them. So, you know, for me, when I'm hiring executives, I think about, I intentionally think about what are the skills that I have and what are the skills that are needed in this team to help the business achieve X impact. And that's part of the um, the void that we're seeing in exec- executive teams, um, because when we look at the makeup of executive teams, they all look the same. They all come from similar backgrounds and so on. And that's why we're getting failing results. Even when you look at boards as well, the boards are not diverse. You know, we need to look at board look at boards that are that have operators in your space um, that are diverse and can bring this rich perspectives, right? So it's really that laziness of doing what is easy. Um, you know, and then also the last, last thing I'd say on that is what I believe that we should start doing is have consequences because we've spoken about this with data has shown the impact that diversity has on revenue. Not that we even need to prove, quantify it. Right. But data has shown that it's, it's good for business. It, It, you know, it's good for revenues and so on, but we're still seeing a slow movement. So again, back to the sea level. We need to start having consequences um, because some people just won't change except there's a consequence. For example, for a sales leader or a VP, you have a goal that you need to achieve, right? So you drive your team to achieve that goal. In um, in, a, in revenue goals or go-to-market goals, we have revenue goals. You know, um, you have employee satisfaction. You know, goals that are key for a manager or a VP to achieve. Where's the diversity goal? Where's the goal to ensure that your team or your executive team are a diverse team, um, you know, in order to get the best results? Yeah, I, I I love that. And I realize I dive deep because diversity is something that, you know, is close to my heart, I mean, especially being a black woman in a leadership position. You know, I see some of the challenges. I've experienced them. But I do want to step back um, a bit because, you know, we're talking about filling the void what are some of the competencies that, you know, so if, if thinking about my listeners, most are heads of marketing, heads of revenue. Yeah. What are some of the competency gaps that exist? Like help me, you know, if I'm trying to self-evaluate on if I've got these gaps myself, what are some of those? Yeah. So the first one I'd say is diagnosis and self-awareness. So it's really that self-awareness as a CEO, 
as a CRO to say, okay, what do I know and what don't I know? That alone is powerful. And then what am I going to do to fill in that gap? Is it that I need to hire a fractional CRO or I need to hire a coach and so on, right? Because what we find is people just keep doing what they've always done. It's really about taking that step back to do that diagnosis and self-awareness for yourself and your executive team. Second piece is really um, what I find um, in a lot of, when I speak to a lot of executives is the teams are surrounded with a lot of strategists, everybody that has great ideas, but nobody wants to execute, right? And oftentimes the best leaders are great, are great at strategy and great at execution. They can go 50,000 um, 50, feet and they can go 500 feet, right? That ability to do both um, is key in an executive. And um, that's some of the gaps that we see right now is that some executives either have one or the other. And this is a skill that can be learned if we lean into it. Should I keep going? Because I have a Yes, few. I was going to say, keep <laughs> going. I'll, once, I, uh, once, once you give me all your points, I'll figure out where I want to dig in. These are all okay. good things. Okay. And then the other piece I touched on earlier is how we, how are we building these boards, right? So again, you know, if you're intentionally building a board that can challenge you, that is diverse, that can call you out and say, listen, this skill is lacking. What are we going to do to bridge this gap for the success of the business? It's not personal to you as a CEO, but it's for the success of the business. So really um, building a diverse board around you and utilizing the board. You know, oftentimes I see CEOs you know, everything is amazing. They don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to open up yourself to the board, you know, um, everything is awesome, but it's not, you know, that's why, the, you know, these are people that have invested in your business. They need to know that, listen, things are not going right, but here's what we're doing about it. For example, you know, I was talking to a CEO the other day and we we're talking about his presentation to the board and we saw that he's, um, they were still getting new business. However, the average deal size was reducing. And I'm like, that's a, that's a good story. You're still getting new business. Yes, the average deal size is reducing. But over time, as we keep that client and so on, we can grow that average deal size um, you know, through the retention strategy. That's a story not to hide away from because that is the reality. And we have a plan to do something about it, right? So, so it's really about not hiding the stuff that is, doesn't look so good, but being real about it, being pragmatic and realistic, um, not just to the board, to your employees as well. You know, we have so many CEOs who have told their employees, hey, everything is awesome. We got money in the bank. We got money in the bank. <laughs> and next week, there was layoffs. It's like, what are we saying? What are we doing, right? And to wrap that up, it's really about ensuring that your stakeholders are part of the problem so that they can be a part of the solution. When I say your stakeholders, your board, your employees, your teams, your executive leadership, that vulnerability as a CRO to go or a CEO to go, listen, here's the problem. Here's what I'm concerned about. How do we solve it? So include people in the problem so that they can be a part of the solution. And then the last one um, that I'll, well, it's not the last one, but um, that piece of feedback is so important because, you know, I find a lot of CEOs and when I ask them about the business, about the product, about the teams, they say, yeah, it's going well. I'm like, how do you know? Oh, because, you know, I build a great product or I'm running a great business, but how do you know? And I say that to say this, your community decides 
how you're doing. They determine how you're doing. When yeah. I say your community, I mean your your the users of your solution, your customers, your employees. They decide how you're doing, whether you're doing well or not so well. So that ability to reach out, come out of your comfort zone and get that feedback and not just get it, but listen to it and adapt accordingly um, is a key recipe for success. Awesome. You gave me some great places that I want to dig in. Um, and one of them ties into what you were saying about building a board and feedback, kind of rolling those together. And I think a lot of people think about like you have your company board, like that's obvious you have an accountability to that board. Um, but I do think that there is also a key value in building a board of people around you Absolutely. that are not necessarily the board of your company. Cause you think about like every company doesn't have a board. Um, but like having that group of people that you can tap into with your challenges yes. and making sure that they are diverse mm -hmm. and pulling in people from all levels. Because I do think that one thing that I see with a lot of leaders is they don't necessarily see the value of having people that are air quotes lower than them as a part of the decision-making criteria. But going back to what you said around bridging that gap between strategy and execution, mm -hmm. when you've got doers that are a part of the decision conversation, there are things that are escalated or perspectives that are brought that wouldn't be brought otherwise. Um, Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when I when I speak to CEOs, I, I, I say to them, I ask, when last did you actually go and prospect? When last did you apply for a job in your own company to understand what your application process is and your onboarding process is? When last did you join the onboarding um, session? When last did you actually try and sell a deal so that you can understand your, your selling process and the buyer's journey? When last did you do that? That is so key. And that helps with execution. Yeah, I look at, I've seen some companies that really take this to heart. Um, I'm here in the southern part of the U.S. in Atlanta, and Waffle House is really big. Um, mm -hmm. And it's basically a 24-hour breakfast spot, like a greasy spoon kind of, you know, like the salt and pepper shakers are going to stick to the Ooh. table. Like, it's that kind of space, but everybody loves it. And one of the things that they require of everyone in their corporate office is there's so many days, I think they have to spend a week every year working mm -hmm. in an actual restaurant and they have to do the various roles. So, you know, you're going to have a VP of marketing who is like trying to get the hash browns smothered and covered mm -hmm. and, you know, all the things mm -hmm. um, so that they have that same perspective that you're saying. And I do think that you can get to a level where some of that is lost, uh, where you forget, because we all usually started there, mm -hmm. but you can get to the point where you forget. Absolutely. That job rotation is so key. And, you know, some CEOs are like, well, I'm too busy, but I'm like, well, your goal is revenue and happy customers. And these activities, what, so what are you doing? <laughs> I ask, so what, tell me about your day-to-day. -day. What are you actually doing? Because these are activities that tie to the success of the outcome that you're trying to achieve. 
you know oftentimes we we i see that ceos don't understand their revenue model they don't understand their revenue model right um they don't understand it so therefore you know when you're presenting at a board level or you're talking about your business yes okay maybe you've outsourced it to a cro or, or vp and so on or, or marketing but it's key that you understand it because this is how you can shape the success of your company where it is today and where it can be tomorrow. This is where you can shape the success of your product. You can shape the success of your people as the CEO, as this, this leader, and bring that downstream. Yeah, it does amaze me of how many leaders don't understand their revenue model. Like we've gone through, like one of the things that we do at Tegrita is helping to map end-to-end -end the marketing efforts through how the deals work, how mm -hmm. the systems work together, how you track everything. And when we've gone into some of those conversations, it has like always astounded me where you'll have people, it's like, okay, you do this in marketing. What does sales see in terms of what, how they got to them? And they're like, I don't know. How do you not know? Like, how have you never thought about we're doing these things. What information does our sales team even know about these things? Like the fact that some of these conversations, even within revenue leaders, yes. don't happen. It's kind of no surprise that it doesn't make it to the C-level. Yeah. And Brandy, you know what? what's connected to that and something I'm really passionate about is as a CEO, it's your job to ensure that your go-to-market team go together. They go to market together. Right. You know, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I'm working with CEOs, we I talk about one goal. Like at the end of the day, actually, everybody in the business has one goal, which is. Happy customers and happy employees, when that is in line, everything else comes together. Right. Marketing gets there in a different way. Sales gets there in a different way. CS gets there in a different way. But it's important that everybody's aligned to that one goal that we're all trying. HR gets there in a different way. But it's the same goal we're all trying to achieve. It's just that we're, we, we're a different part of the cube to get to that main cube and that main goal, right? And I think, you know, it's the CEO's responsibility to set that tone and build that foundation of that one goal harmony. Um. I love that. And and I agree, like, you know, we wrote our book about one revenue team, but I do agree that holistically, like as a company, we all have to focus on the same thing. Um, I want to go back to your point about self-awareness, mm -hmm. uh, because in thinking about filling the void, in my opinion, you know, from just my own career observations, self-awareness is probably one of the biggest competency gaps that I see. Um, and, you know, being a consultant, I work across a lot of different businesses and there is definitely a lack of awareness, not just even in what skills you lack, um, but even in just how you naturally operate and where that may hinder you. Yes. And, you know, like I even, I look at myself, I definitely know that I am more self-aware than most. And we have like one of my roles that is counter to me is our client engagement role. And mm -hmm. when we have new people start, I always am very clear with them about this is how I work. 
And this is where that creates some problems. Mm -hmm. So that they are like, I know I always have a thousand things going on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I don't pick up on some of the subtle problems. Yes. And I can help you solve the problems, but I need you to bring them to me because I recognize Mm -hmm. that this is a blind spot just Mm -hmm. based on who I am as a person. And, you know, being able to articulate that, you know, especially because I've got the C title, sometimes, you know, those that are a bit more junior are, Mm -hmm. you know, uncomfortable being like, hey, this is a problem, especially if I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I like to have that conversation. Like, I need you to tell me, like, if I'm the problem, I can fix it, (laughs) but I need you to escalate whatever it is. And so it, it is some of those things of like, you know, sometimes just who we are as leaders and how we operate creates challenges. And if you don't have that self-awareness, then you can't enable your team to go around it. So I'd love to hear a bit more in one, how do you help people recognize when they're not self-aware? Because people who aren't self-aware don't know that they're not self-aware, like by definition. So how do you help people understand if that is them And how do you overcome that? How do you become more self-aware? Yeah. So that's a million dollar question right there. Um, (laughs) It starts with, you know, you find people when there's an opinion that's contrasting to what they think, you find, you know, they start to get itchy, problems that arise, right? Um, And, you know, um, it's really that reflex, you know, when I coach people, I teach them around that reflex in terms of when you find like maybe you, you have a belief about something and somebody's saying something that's totally opposite to your belief. This is the moment to actually lean in and allow ourselves to explore. I don't have to agree, but the piece that I need to do is allow myself, my body, my physical body, my mental space, my spiritual space, allow myself without no attachment to explore what this person has just said and try to find the diamond in the stone. That's the piece. Um, After that exploration, I might still come back to the same conclusion that, uh, you know, I don't agree. I think there's a better way or, or whatever. But that piece of allowing yourself, that's the piece that most of the time we fight with. We don't even allow ourselves to explore, um, you know. Um, so, so that's the piece. In terms of how... I think, it, it, you know, it, it's a situation of you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Oftentimes I see CEOs or leaders be more coachable when things have gone wrong, <laughs> when there's been a disaster. We don't have to wait for a disaster to happen for us to build on our personality. And the third thing is it's really coming from that mindset of I'm always in work in progress. So if I believe that I'm always a work in progress, then I'm constantly working on myself, knowing that there's no place that of completion. There's no place of completion. It's an ongoing development of my personality. Um, yeah, that and you hit on something that um, I kind of skimmed uh, some of the content from your book. And one of the things that jumped out at me that I think is so important, and you kind of just hit on it, which is being comfortable with being uncomfortable, because you are right in those moments where there is friction, you do feel it like, you know, you might get the heart race or you start to be uncomfortable in your seat 
And it's like, there is a physical reaction. Absolutely. And most people just try to avoid that physical reaction. And I do think, you know, and I learned very similar strategies to you in therapy. So my, you know, my way of how I became more self-aware was through, you know, behavioral therapy um, or CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things when you feel that uncomfortableness, be able to sit in it yeah. to ask yourself, like, why am I uncomfortable? You know, why am I having this reaction? Is mm -hmm. it because I fundamentally disagree? Is it because it's different? Is it because it's going to stretch me? Mm -hmm. um, and so that being able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, like to me, if I had to take any one thing away from what I've learned from you in trying to fill the void, like that's the underlying thing. Um, in order to do all of the other things. And so I'd like you to speak just a little bit more about that getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm based in the island and um, oftentimes I'm the only one that looks like me and sounds like me in many rooms over my career and so on. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with a leadership team and you know, in one of my previous um, organization. And one day I said, listen, have you, any of you ever thought about the fact that I'm the only one that looks like me and sounds like me in this organization? Oof, everybody became very, oof, why is she bringing this up? Why are we even talking about this? But it was something that I just wanted to bring to their awareness because I don't think they'd ever thought about it because, you know, we're all friends, you know, we're all, you know, um, colleagues and so on and everything is great, but yeah, but it was a realization that a lot of people hadn't even thought about. And, you know, it brings me also to, you know, times where you have performance management um, um, conversation, you need to fire somebody and so on. It's all uncomfortable. Or you need to give feedback or you need to, you know, or, or somebody gives you feedback. It's uncomfortable. It will never be comfortable, actually. Yeah. And it, it's... It's so difficult. And I do think that self-awareness goes with that piece of like, it's okay. Like just, yeah. you know, it's it's not the end of the world being yeah. uncomfortable. You yeah. push through it. Uh, you get through that that awkwardness. And yeah. but, you, but you know what? Um, it's really about being attached to the outcome, the impact that you're trying to drive. For example, I'm very introverted but a lot of people don't know because I do a lot of public speaking you know I'm out there you know as a as a revenue leader and so on and so forth I engage with a lot of c-level executives and so on right but it's not actually about me or how I feel because I'm attached to the message that I'm trying to get across to the people that can help the people this is why I'll speak out in a room where other people won't, won't speak because they're thinking about oh how do I sound is this going to come across x way or that way but I'm more attached to, okay, I need to say this because this is going to help drive X impact. So actually, I'll be doing a disservice by holding it back. I feel uncomfortable, yes, but I'm still doing what I need to do or what needs to be done despite how I feel. Awesome. So talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. And so I'd like if you could summarize your key takeaways for how leaders can fill this void 
and give us all our one thing. If we're feeling like we've got some of these competency gaps, what's our first step? Um, you know, I don't know if you can see my fingers. I, I don't know who taught me this. I don't know if it's a, I can't remember who, where this came from, but when you're pointing fingers at somebody else, remember that this Tom is pointing back at you. And what that means is that success and failure starts with you. So in order to drive change, you need to look at yourself first and say, what am I learning? What do I need to unlearn? And what do I need to relearn? It starts from you. So it's really about us being the change that we want to see. So for a CEO, for example, who wants to drive a great business or who wants to increase their revenue um, or increase their you know, customer success rate, it's really looking at you. How am I exemplifying this? How am I showing up first? It's not about, oh, my VP is not, is, not, is not good enough. It needs to be sacked. No. How are you coaching your VP? How are you showing up? What do you know to help your VP rise? And if you don't know, what are you doing to fill that gap? So again, remember, the moment you find yourself pointing at anything, oh, it's my team. It's the board. I'm trying to figure out where's my... my <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my team. It's the board. The other finger is pointing at you. So remember that. Change starts with you. Success starts with you. And failure starts with you. I love it. So what's our one thing? What's our action item? Check yourself. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Super simple is check yourself. Um, so yeah, to, to kind of do that, that self-evaluation of where are your gaps and where do you need to. I love the learn, unlearn, relearn. Um, so figuring that out is going to be the first step. Um, that's a great action, which is sounds super simple, not always simple, but definitely a great start. Uh, well, Abby, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. But before we go, I'd love to hear you um, tell our audience how they can connect with you and also tell us a little bit about the book. I like to end with a little shameless plug because I think for anyone seeing this competency gap, at least from what I've seen of your book so far, it is a great resource. So go ahead and tell us a little bit how we can stay connected. Yeah, so I live on LinkedIn, so reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always there. Um, and in regards to the book, if you want to be the greatest leader that you can be because really leadership is about understanding people and what makes them thick right what is their uniqueness in order to get the best out of them so as a, as a ceo as a vp as a leader whatever type level of leader that you are your customers are people your employees are people your users are people. We've not gone to the, to the space where, you know, AI is, is you know, is your, <laughs> um, or chat GP can has replaced people, right? So your whole stakeholders are people. So to be a great leader, it's about understanding people dynamics and how you can use that to drive great results. Um, so, yeah, if you want to know more about that, check out the book and let me know your thoughts. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link to your LinkedIn as well as the book. So wherever you are watching or listening this podcast to this podcast, uh, check out the show notes and the links will be there so that you can stay connected with Abby. Uh, well, Abby, thanks so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate, uh, especially, I, I know you're my first guest from Ireland, which is super cool. I have crossed the pond. Uh <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what an um, achievement. <laughs> yes. And thanks everyone for joining us. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Abby. I can't believe we're at the end. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.